0: Hi everyone, my name is Laura and you're listening to LF Photospace, a podcast dedicated to all things photography from my perspective. Today, we are going to talk about portrait photography, some itty bitty techniques, and for those who are interested, why portrait photography and how portrait photography came about. So without further ado, let's get started now when we talk about portrait photography i'm not just talking about just simply portraits there are different types within portrait photography that if you're interested in learning more about i definitely would love the opportunity for you guys to reach out and ask more questions as you see fit but there are at least 10 different types of portrait photography that you should definitely be aware of and you have traditional portraits which is where you have the subject sitting in and posing for you you have lifestyle portraits which mean that the individual or the subject is actually being photographed in a a specific environment whether it be in their home or maybe the type of design home or they're looking at at, you know they're looking a certain way they have a certain outfit on maybe they're fashion related whatever the case may be it's a different type of photography for portraits it's a lifestyle so you want to make sure that you capture that type of lifestyle when you're talking about those types of portraits you also have environmental portraits where you don't necessarily have to have a human being or a specific subject but it's the fact that you're you know maybe photographing an individual in the natural environment someone who is and has a connection to the natural environment someone that's connected to the earth someone that wants to do things earthly or someone that just wants to be overall in the natural atmosphere the natural sense of the word you also have candid and street portraits which is a little bit similar to what we spoke about last week regarding street photography but this is more in tune with capturing someone purposely maybe they're making a face or they're posing a certain way they're looking a certain way and they're aware because it is basically staged then you know that that's that type of portrait photography you also have what many ladies I'm sure are listening to me are thinking glamour and boudoir photography and that's also considered portrait so if you're a lady that's married and you've had the opportunity to do boudoir Um, photographs or a boudoir photo session you know what I'm talking about and these are the ones that are taken in lingerie or very sexy underwear where you're posing a certain way and it's very sensual and good taste and you're just being you you're being a lady let's say if it's a lady if you're a gentleman it's also being a man so that's the type of photography that I say when I talk about boudoir or glamour and if we're also talking about glamour we're talking about getting all dolled up getting made up maybe you're taking pictures for your wedding day or maybe you're doing pictures for your graduation and you want to look exceptionally well you want to make sure that you're fully prepared that you have your face on and it's that type of glamour photography or even if you've ever heard of glamour shots from back in the day, it's it's kind of the same thing where you're getting pretty, you're getting all, you know, gorge-like, gorgeous, of course, and then you're photographing. And the other type of portraits are fine art portraits, which technically depict someone posing for the camera, but also doing it in an artistic atmosphere. Maybe an artist who's looking to acquire images for his or her website and... What better way to capture that than by photographing the individual or individuals with their artwork, with their work, with what they find to be artistic, and what defines them, maybe what describes them as individuals. You also have conceptual portraits, meaning that you're looking for a concept that the person is following, or maybe you're the person that's actually looking to conceptualize an individual, maybe set them up for a different Um, you know, for anything that falls under your imagination, anything that comes creative, anything that's conceptualized, that's created, that's come about in order to present it. And you also have something that we photographers call surreal portraits, meaning that you have the ability at this point in time to incorporate surreal objects it, it can be an individual, and most of the time it is an individual, but you're actually photographing the essence of the individual in a surreal aspect. So you almost want to make it seem like it's is the person there, is the person not really there, and you can get deeper in thought in that, but it's just something, and, and I'm giving you examples of the types of portraits that are actually out there and that people are using to create bodies of work and artists that are actually continuously working to accomplish. And take these images okay and for the overall aspect of portrait photography it is considered to be the perception of capturing the personality of an individual or a group of individuals that is created by using effective lighting You have great backdrops and you allow these individuals or the individual to pose in a way that's reflective of who he or she may be. So you can have someone sitting in front of the camera, but perhaps the way that they're looking into the camera, perhaps the way that their body language is proposed in front of the camera, that's actually something that makes it portrait or portraiture, okay? And when we also talk about portraits, portraits can be artistic or clinical. So what does that mean, artistic and clinical? Well, frequently, um, portraits are commissioned for special occasions, Um, you know, when you go to a wedding and you see the photographer taking pictures of the bride or the bride and groom, that's actually, for artistic purposes, you can say. And, you know, another example is school portraits or school events or even commercial purposes. These portraits are or have the ability to serve many purposes overall. And these can range from using, you know, for the use of your personal website or to display for a particular area, maybe it's for your business, or maybe you just wanna display it because you're working on a body of work. That is the purpose of a portrait photography, okay? And again, I mentioned a few of those portrait um, types of photos or maybe types of portrait photography. I also wanna include the fact that natural light or natural lighting portraiture also is part of that list and what i mean by natural light is that you're photographing an individual outside perhaps natural lighting maybe you're doing it indoors but you're having the person sit next to the window or by the window and the blinds are completely open or maybe the window is open and there's natural lighting hitting the individual if it is an individual or an object in the specific area that you'd love to photograph That is what natural light portraiture or portraits is about. You also have those individuals that maybe want to do self-portraits in the same manner. You propose yourself or you pose yourself, you prop yourself up and you can photograph yourself. If you know how to use your digital camera and you're also learning to work with timers, you can practice on having a subject if you don't want to do it yourself in front of your camera. You can set it up in the way that you're doing it, and on top of a table, or you have a chair and you're looking to photograph, let's say, a hat. You can get creative with this, but the point of the matter is, is that you're trying and you're working towards the purpose of focusing on that particular image, that particular subject that you're photographing and so if you're working with natural light, you see how that light hits the subject or the object and that's where you begin to develop your eye for natural lighting portraiture. Um, When we talk about the history and I'm not going to go on, I know that it, it, it can sound boring but if you read about it yourself as well, you'll realize and you'll see that there's a lot more to just sitting in front of a camera and taking or having your picture taken. But portrait photography became a sort of, um, let's say, um, it, was, it was a way to capture someone in a good mood, someone that was smiling, someone that was being genuinely, you know, good or someone that was being genuinely good natured and so around the 19th century up until the earliest the earliest of the 20th century many of these photographs didn't really depict people that were smiling or people you know that were depicting their cultural conventions and You know, the culture of that period, of that time frame between the 1900s and the the 20th century. So that's something to keep in mind. It wasn't always used the way that we see it today, but it's, it's evolved. And so slowly but surely it, you know... It 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 was used in the purpose of de- depicting cultural values. It was used um, depicting, or it was used to depict uh, a different kind of cultural lifestyle for different individuals across the world. So it wasn't just in the U.S. where people were using it as a source of basically demonstrating the type of environment or maybe the social value that the individual had, um, but. At that point in time, you know, it was similar to what was being used initially when, when photography was first developed. And we talked about this at the beginning of the podcasts, a few of them, when we talked about the daguerreotype. And when we talk about the daguerreotype now as part of um, portrait photography, we know that it's basically... Relatively low in cost, as it was to develop the type photography or photographs. And in the middle of the 19th century, you basically reduced the sitting time of a subject because it was no longer needed to have that individual stand or sit for longer periods of time. And this is why portrait photography became. Or started to become more popular because when you were using a daguerreotype, you had a sense of you know hours. You had to sit in front of this camera for a few hours, or you know minimal a couple of hours to potentially many many different hours, and you had to wait until the picture captured who you were as an individual clearly. That the photographer was focusing on everything that he or she needed to photograph and so because it became a simpler process going into the 20th century people didn't really you know they didn't have to worry too much about sitting in and it led to a general rise in the popularity of portrait photography you know amongst what we used to capture portraits by which was painting so it at this point in time it became relatively relevant it was a lot more popular people wanted to have it done more so than being sitting in or 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 being sit in for a painted image of yourself and the style of the early work that involved portrait photography usually reflected the technical challenges that were associated with the long exposure times and the aesthetics that were used when we were painting portraits as opposed to taking someone's picture, okay? And so there was a time where we called portrait photography the hidden mother photography. And this type of portrait featured young children with their mothers, Um, or perhaps a young mother being photographed but you could actually see on the side of the image or maybe on the left hand corner or the right hand corner you can see you know how these mothers were actually taking the time to calm their kids if their kids were running around or keeping them in in a calm manner so that they wouldn't be interfering as part of the portrait process and subjects for the most part, were generally seated against the plain background. So let's say we're in the 19th or the 20th century, we're sitting someone in front of the camera, but behind the camera, you actually have basically something as simple as a bare wall. And, you know, there was soft lighting that was being used. It was minimal and perhaps maybe you were photographing the individual under or over or maybe you had a window that was very far away from the subject and that could also be reflected, you know, with mirrors if they were being used at the time because I know that they were. So it was a combination of the reflection of the individual, the lighting that was reflecting off the mirror in order to create that style of portraiture. And so many advances in the photographic technology pertaining to portrait photography um, specifically from the daguerreotype actually created more advanced techniques, meaning that this allowed more and more photographers to capture the images with again with shorter exposure times and that they could actually work outside. Of a studio environment which meant that they could actually shoot on location they weren't limited to just sitting in a studio or sitting in a room or sitting in one particular area of a house if that was the case they were actually able to now step outside of the house and maybe perhaps work with a combination of artificial light and natural light and so we continue so when we talk about artificial lighting or we talk about styles of lighting we can talk about window light portraiture meaning that um, you can place your subject in front of a mirror or perhaps i should say in front of a window and you can allow the different tones of that natural light to hit perhaps the face of the individual or the body or any aspect of that subject in order to create this window light exposure and this window light picture. Um, For many time, windows have been a great source of light specifically for portraits, and they've been used for decades upon decades before artificial sources of light were even discovered. So way before our time, photographers and those who were interested in photographing were actually working with natural lighting and they just figured well you know it gives me the same effect and it was a way to venture out of having to focus so much on artificial lighting and according to a gentleman by the name of Arthur Hammond he was an amateur and a professional photographer and he also mentioned that Many photographers only needed two things to light a portrait. And I believe this to be true as well. You either needed a window and a reflector, or you needed just a window and perhaps a mirror that would create a reflection. And although window lights or window lighting actually tends to limit the options in portrait photography in comparison to artificial lighting, it does give it a simple and an, a give it, it gives it an ample room for experimentation to many of us amateur photographers for many of you out there that really you know don't know how to begin to photograph specifically if you don't know your lighting exposures and this is something that you wanna try, I definitely recommend it because that is how I started. I took photography classes in my very, one of my very first classes besides the history of photography and whatnot, was to be able to photograph in natural lighting. I could make it whatever I wanted. So my professor wasn't specific about how I needed to get it. I was just told to work on tonality. And when I refer to tonality, you'll understand what I mean. But it was basically to come up with a subject or an object and be able to photograph it in the sense where you're really capturing the essence of that subject or that object in three different types of lighting. So let's say you could do it early in the morning at the break of dawn and you can photograph and you'll get that specific lighting as the sun is about to come up. You could do it in the middle of the day which reflects that the lighting is already 100% potent and it's ready to go and you'll be able to capture what you capture based on that lighting and also working on lighting that reflects right before sunset. And so you have those three types of levels in my opinion and therefore you're able to do that with the type of lighting that you're you know that you're going to be working with and perhaps if you're using a reflector a white reflector would be a great idea to work with or to start with and you want to place this reflector into the darker side of the subject's face so let's say you're photographing the individual in a dark room or in a dark corner maybe a darker corner in your room or an office wherever you may be you're able to use this reflector and you can place it in the area that you see that might be a little bit darker than when it's up against natural lighting if you're working with natural lighting when we talk about that it's gonna give you an even type of contrast so you want to make sure that you find that specific contrast where you're able to differentiate between the light the natural lighting that reflects upon the subject as well as the lighting and the effect that that reflector gives off that dark area of your subject and it's not just about using a reflector and balancing or being able to balance out the difference in the lighting that comes in naturally as well as artificial lighting that's reflected on that darker part of your image but it also requires that you understand your shutter speed and so shutter speeds can be used when you have a tripod because the effect of a shutter speed means that you have to have your camera 150 percent motionless and that means that it has to stay in one place you cannot move it so even if you're holding it with your hand you have to be extremely careful of how you move because if you make one notch one little movement that could be insignificant to anything else it'll throw off that shutter speed and when you want to capture this you want to make sure that your shutter speed is slow because eventually it does become slower due to the fact that the lighting that you're using is natural so basically what that shutter speed is doing is trying to focus and trying to find its way to the area that it balances between darkness and lightness so just keep that in mind and if you are looking to work with your shutter speed i definitely recommend the use of a tripod But overall, the lighting can be beautiful and it can capture a rich color of that natural light overall. And when we talk about timing, and like I just mentioned before, if you're looking to do that, if you want to start a project and you want to kind of test it for yourself, you know, when I just talked about the different types of lighting, whether it be early in the morning, in the middle of the day, or more toward the end of the afternoon, then the best time to do it would be to make sure that you have enough space in the area that you're going to use to photograph and perhaps go to your window and if you're focusing on doing window light you know pictures or window lighting photography or portrait photography you can accomplish that and i would say the earlier hours of the day and the later hours of the afternoon specifically when the light is more intense on the window, that can give you a very different effect for both times. So make sure that you, if you're looking to do that, that you test those out and that you're able to come across what effect you wanna work on. So as I was saying, some of the best times to photograph or to use portrait photography is during the late afternoon when the light is more intense on the window and if you're using curtains, reflectors, and the intensity is reducing the shields that are used to give soft lighting, that is the best time to be able to do it. And therefore, you know, it's, it's a good option, but if you're using mirrors and glasses, you wanna make sure that you use these during high key lighting, meaning that when the, the light is at its best angle, specifically if it's natural and it's bright then that would be the best time to use it. And also keep in mind that at times um, if you're using or you're working with colored glass or any glass of any type that these objects can be used to give the portrait desired color um, effects and it's a good way to start but also keep in mind that if you are going to use a filter or a colored glass, that you use it effectively. And when we talk about effectiveness, you also want to talk about the composition of those shadows that I had mentioned to you before, as well as the soft lighting, because that will give your window light portraits a more distinct look and a different look from portraits made with artificial lighting. So keep that in mind and while using window light focus on the positioning of the camera and make sure that you're able to change the the pose or the area where the camera is being used to give you those desired effects so you can move your camera around if you're using a tripod it's easily done so make sure that you test shoot a couple of shots before you actually put a subject or if you're going to photograph an individual make sure that before you do that that you capture maybe you want to put a glass of water on a table in the same area where you plan to photograph make sure that you use that as practice so that you understand how your camera is going to function as it hits the lighting as it is going to specifically capture that natural piece of light depending on the area that you're placing your photo or that you're placing your subject. Um, you can try positioning the camera behind the subject so that you're able to reduce the silhouette of the individual while still being able to photograph the subject and try a combination of the shadow and the soft lighting. And. Facing the subject is also a good idea, specifically it's from the same point or from the same area of the light source that you're working with and this will produce a higher, it'll give it a high-key effect with at least uh, very minimal shadows. And so, um, we can focus on mobile portraits. I've done them, I find them to be absolutely wonderful but again it's an issue and it comes down to it's not an issue i should say but it comes down to being able to work with the lighting that you have because remember you can incorporate lights you can incorporate um lenses you can even incorporate filters to your phone camera or your mobile phone or your mobile device but keep in mind that you are and you can try to do full body portraits specifically with the natural lighting, and maybe even incorporating different subjects, different parts of different areas that you're willing to try. So that's something that you definitely can do. So all the, uh, the items and all of the things that I've just talked about, you can specifically relate those to your mobile device, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's an Android, you can try it, play around with the options that you have for your images. I suggest not necessarily focusing or using an app to focus on how to work these, but if you're an app type of individual, I you know, I can't stop you and I say by all means, if you know how to use them, go ahead. But the purpose of this project or your project is to be able to understand it and do it yourself with the camera that you have without having to reach out to or depend solely on an app or a specific program. So keep that in mind as well. And some of the approaches to portraiture, I can say is that there seem and there, they've often been said or it's been said that there are about four to five approaches that you can take into account when you wanna start photographing portraits or when you wanna start photographing people and create portraits. You have to understand the environment or the environmental aspect of it. You wanna make sure that you understand that if you're looking to make your image or portray the individual that you're photographing in a candid manner, that you follow that, that, that piece of candidness that the individual will have. And you always wanna have a creative approach. So you wanna be creative in the way that you approach your subjects or your objects. You wanna make sure that you make it interesting for the individual that you're photographing, but also for the way that you're learning and that you're developing your photo skills and how you're mastering these. Now, there's another thing that or there's another word that we use as an approach and that is actually constructionism and when we talk about constructionist photography or the constructionist approach we talk about how a photographer is able to construct an idea around the subject so let's say that you have a college graduate or a high school graduate but you are expecting to have the individual sit in with you or maybe sit for a portrait with their cap and gown. Um, When I mean that we construct ideas around the subject, we mean that we use the approach perhaps in a studio-like environment and when it has to do with social photography, meaning that when you're actually looking to pose it as though the individual is around different individuals as well or that your idea is to purposely put this individual let's say in the middle of a crowded space that's something that is considered a constructive or a constructionist approach and using this type of approach can work with advertising if you're advertising let's say that you're starting your photography business and you're talking about wanting to do five images for portraits for a specific amount of money you can use it in the sense that you can use it for advertising and you can use it for marketing purposes and so the environmental approach basically depicts the subject that you're photographing in their own environment they often are shown as though he or she are doing something that specifically relates to the subject. So, for example, um, you can have someone sit in a field of flowers and you're photographing them and you have to, in a way, try to incorporate the type of personality that the individual has and how you know, it relates to the environment that they're in or that you've placed them in or in relation to the environment that they're in. And when we also talk about candid approaches, we talk about where you're photographing individuals or you've photographed people and they're not necessarily aware that you're photographing them perhaps because they're going about their daily business or they're just simply being themselves when they think that no one is watching or no one is noticing and although this approach is many times used by paparazzi or social media photographers it has given the It has been given, actually. The sense of being exploitative. And it's just, you know, in my opinion, it is not the best type of photography that I would encourage anyone to do. But it's just a sense of knowing and understanding what that means, what that candid approach means, where, you know, some people really are not aware of their surroundings and you can pretend like... The individual doesn't know that you're there Or maybe the person or the individual doesn't really know that you're there So it can work both ways But in my opinion, it's something that you definitely want to make the subject aware of And if you choose to pretend, that might work out better for you Because I've actually done a lot of pre-posed positions or situations Where it actually looks natural But it really isn't because it was actually staged But that depends on you as an individual and as you begin to develop a sense of a style of photography and a perfect example is there's an image and there's actually a few images of parisians that were photographed by robert dena which is another french photographer we'll talk about a little bit later on and of course one of my favorites Henri Carte Brisson, where they both demonstrate this particular approach and in the same manner that environmental photography works, so does candid photography because it is important as it is a, a, a piece of historical source of information about people. So you're basically doing those two and working to describe someone in their element. You're basically, it's almost like you're just kind of looking through the window, not peeking through the window per se, but you're, it's almost like you're looking through the window anyone or specifically your audience is looking through the window and they can see this individual comfortable in their element doing what they do without even realizing that the camera lens is actually in front of them and so the creative approach comes in between these where the manipulation of the image is used to change the final input so just keep that in mind so let's say that you start with doing the candid approach and you want to do the artistic approach about it or the environmental approach about it you always want to make sure that the creative comes together and puts everything else together to determine that type of photo or the determine that type of portrait photography so keep that in mind guys and for lenses I would say you know, you guys determine that. You can definitely test out a few lenses if you wanna work with an 18 millimeter wide angle lens and try it. There's different options that you can try for that. We'll talk about lenses overall and keep that as a unique topic because it is a topic all on its own. And you'll see how it relates to everything else that we do with photography. You know, you, you can do your research regarding 18 millimeter lenses as well as 50 millimeter lenses, I have a few that I use, but they're all different and depending on what you want to photograph is how you'll be able to incorporate these to make you to make your images a little bit more enticing because of how you capture and what you're looking to capture and what you're looking to get out of your your subjects. But many lenses that are used by portrait photographers are classically considered fast. Um, You also have medium telephoto lenses. And even though many of these different types of lenses can be used, it also depends on your artistic purpose, which I just mentioned. It means that you can play around with the lens the lens that you have or the lenses that you have and you determine how you and how these become effective in the type of portrait photography that you will be doing and you have a few classical length um lenses so a couple of them are like i mentioned before you have 18 millimeter lenses you have 15 millimeter lenses you have focal length of 150 milliliters or millimeters and you can also have a fast aperture number that'll help you grasp more of that fast lens subject and what and how you're going to use it and you know like I mentioned before many of the typical lenses come between 80 to 135 millimeters and usually when we talk about the, 30, the 135 film format, we talk about 150 to 400 millimeters on a larger format. So historically, that was originally first saw as part of the techniques when for photography was and became as popular as it did. And something that we called the field of view comes from providing the lens, providing a flattening perspective distortion, specifically when the subject that you're photographing is framed to include, you know, basically their head and their shoulders. So let's say that you're doing a square right now. If you're looking, if you're looking about or trying to discuss what that means, you want to put your your index finger and your thumb along the other side of your other finger and your thumb, your index finger, I'm sorry. And that's where you create a frame. And so that's where the perspective distortion comes in. When you're looking through the frame, when you're imagining a frame where you're capturing a person between, or you're capturing the image of a person between their head and their shoulders. Okay. And we will talk more about the types of lenses that you're able to use. But for the time being, what you definitely want to do is you want to read more about it, determine what type of portraiture you want to work on, and you'll be able to develop your own sense of what you feel would basically define your work if you've already started or the type of work that you want to maybe perhaps even mimic a little bit and see what you get out maybe change something about it but you know that's that's something that that you can definitely talk about that you can definitely understand and there are some elements that you need to think about when you're doing portrait photography and some of those include you know Your lighting pattern, the type of pattern that you want to work with to be consistent in your body of work if you're working on a specific type of work. Or portrait photography that you want to focus on based on natural lighting or artificial lighting. You want to learn more about your lighting ratios. Those tend to come and go. Um, If you're anything like I've been, I usually determine my lighting ratios based on the type of exposure that I have while I'm using my camera. But there are little uh, light meters that you can buy. You can buy a refurbished light meter on eBay or anywhere you get your items or your your equipment from. And start by developing a sense of what that ratio is means to you, what that lighting ratio means as you're photographing indoors, as you're photographing outdoors, as you're photographing an individual, as you're photographing an object. So keep all that in mind as you continue to grow. You definitely want to focus on your quality of light, which we discussed. If you're choosing to work with natural lighting, you have to make sure that you know the difference in the type of photos that are going to come out, whether it's the yellowy, the... Bright lights or the LED lights or maybe you want a soft white light where you're looking to capture different parts Or maybe even different tones of the human body if you're photographing someone or you're photographing someone's face Keep that in mind Again, I focus on lens selection because that is important But you as photographers, as amateurs and as hobby doers, you will definitely figure that out I always say test, test, test. Because there's nothing better than practicing until you get it right. And when you do get it right, you'll be able to perfect on what you've already started getting right. So don't don't forget about that. Another important... Uh, element of portrait photography is your background definitely besides the lighting and the object and the subject that you're focusing on you always want to make sure that you are able to stand out because of your background because of what you're using so get creative this doesn't mean that you have to sit someone in the back or in front of a white wall you can but maybe you want to incorporate the white wall because your ultimate focus is to focus on the color of the outfit that the individual is wearing or the color of the object that you're photographing, whether it be a green, whether it be a yellow, whether it be multicolored, it all depends on your background. So make sure that you are effective in choosing the correct and the proper backdrop or background. Another characteristic or crucial element is your exposure and your metering. And this is something we just talked about my best recommendation is to initially work on your exposure if you're working with natural lighting i would say look at your apertures and study them properly because remember the smaller the aperture number the less light that will hit that reflective mirror in your camera and the different type of tone and exposure that that will give your subject And again, the wider the number, the bigger the number, the more lighting that will hit your reflector. And that's going to give you that exposure for that individual in that environment. And what else? That background. So remember that as well. And when we also talk about metering, make sure that you meter the light. You don't necessarily have to meter artificial lighting. You can. That is the purpose of a light meter just like a ratio meter, you have that ability to use that. And my best recommendation, again, is for you guys to be able to use the light meter in natural lighting when you're outside, if you're photographing outdoors, if you're looking to get as much of your outside photography, your natural lighting environment as possible. And another thing is sharpness. You wanna make sure that you focus to the best of your knowledge and the best of your understanding on the subject or the object that you're photographing. If your intention is to photograph an individual, I definitely would say before you do that, practice. Practice makes the world of a difference. I cannot express and express enough of how important it is to practice before you start photographing because you'll get a sense of what aperture you're comfortable with, what type of focus you're you know, comfortable with and you'll notice as you begin to photograph, you will notice and then once you sit an individual in front of you, in front of your camera, you'll be able to automatically know how to focus and what aspects of that individual you want to capture. And lastly, but definitely not the be- not the worst, it's actually one of the best elements that you can work with and you can practice, is how to position your subject. Keep that in mind. It doesn't always have to be a portrait where you have the individual in the middle. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's actually standing up, even though that's an option that you can try. My other recommendation is to simply have the person sit perhaps have a conversation with this individual and talk about things that matter things that allow the individual to feel comfortable talking to you where they're actually not feeling rigid or stiff or that they're nervous that they're going to be photographed make the person feel comfortable just the way that you would want to ensure that you're capturing the best part of that individual because remember you're you're depicting an aspect of that individual, of that subject. So feeling and allowing the individual to feel comfortable and positioning that individual well will make all the difference in how you capture that pose, how you capture that person's personality. So keep that in mind. And with that, guys, I say good afternoon. I say try it. If you have any questions, if you want to write to me, if you want me to post your images, I have my online gallery where I'm doing a bunch of other things at the same time. It's my personal gallery, but it can also be your gallery. There is no fee. It's a way to allow other individuals to express their artistic thoughts and their artistic processes. So please feel free to email me at Photographs at gmail.com you can definitely check out my instagram page at lf photo where i post information and tips and things like that regarding about or regarding the latest podcast that we've covered in the last few weeks but again if there's things that you want me to talk about or if you have questions or you have comments you know feel free to reach out i'm happy to help answer any questions that i can and to try and give you guys as much information as possible that is entertaining that is thoughtful that definitely keeps you excited about wanting to photograph about wanting to use your equipment and about wanting to venture out okay and so with that we end but i wish everyone a great weekend and we'll be here same time same place next sunday bye guys